Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Well, hi, everybody. We're recording this now, and uh, I'm glad we're here, and I've got my father here. And, uh, Dad, how you doing? I know you got a great show planned for us. What are we talking about today? We're talking about God. <laughs> it's all about Imagine that. <laughs> right. Well, I think uh, a lot of people that are listening to will feel the same way. But please tell us about what we're talking about, about God. Well, anyway, if we're going to begin today. I have a tough book. I, there's uh, 66 books in the Bible, in the Protestant Bible. Um, I'm going to talk about one of them. This is a di- difficult read. I, I, I advise anybody to read it, but when you read it, read it slow. Take in what God is saying, and it's a wonderful, wonderful book. But my goodness, it, it, it'll, it'll throw you different, different curves at different times. The book is Numbers. Uh, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers. Tough book, but a glorious book. God is great. If you ever remember anything, God God does things the way he wants it to be done. And God, he's talking to Moses at the, uh, after they made the Exodus out of Egypt. Two million people, approximately, some people say more. Some people say less. The count is not steadfast. It depends. But certain numbers in it are steadfast, like 600,000 fighting men. Uh, and he used them. But in the death of Sinai, God spoke to him on the first day of the second month, of the second year after taking the Israelites out of Egypt. God spoke to Moses, and he said, he called Moses the most humble man on earth. I want to stop him and talk about Moses. Moses was a unique individual. He didn't want to be, uh, he didn't want to be anything but a herd, sheep herd. He left, uh, he was rescued by the Pharaoh's daughter, raised by her, with the orders to be killed. Every male, male person born in Israel was uh, prophesied to be killed, not prophesied, but ordered by the Pharaoh to be killed, so that they would not keep adding to their to their structure. Moses was rescued by the uh, Pharaoh's prince, I mean Pharaoh's daughter, and was taken into the palace, Pharaoh's palace, and a Hebrew lady nursed him because he's an infant. But who is that Hebrew lady? It was none than Moses' mother. That's how God works. He works through wonders in everything he does. And sometimes we question, well, why is it this is going on? Anyway, Moses was raised at the, in the Pharaoh's uh, service. Pharaoh had to educate uh, him. Uh, but he never forgot his roots. He was a Hebrew. 
from the tribe of Israel, some of the tribe of Israel. And when he grew up, he took charge of himself, made a murder. Uh, he, uh, Egyptian was beaten on a Hebrew slave. So Moses had controlled that situation, took care of the Hebrew, <laughs> took care of the Hebrew, and they slew the Egyptian. For that, he got scared and he ran. He ran out in the wilderness to a place that God made for him. Took on the lady and got married. Was tending sheep. Seemed to have this alarm. One day he was walking along and with his flock and he came upon a burning bush. He said, what in the world is that? The burning bush was God's way of laying him and talking to him. God took Moses, talked to him. Through uh, many things he did that Moses, Moses said, hey, I'm not worthy. I can't do that, God. And he said, I don't talk well. God said, I'll take care of that. He gave Aaron his brother, who had not, not fled from Egypt, but Aaron was in, out of the tribes and, and that were enslaved by the Egypt, by uh, Pharaoh. Aaron came to be with Moses. He and Moses went down to see the Pharaoh. And that story goes unknown. And finally, after many, many trials, Moses was able to free the Israelite tribes and he fled Egypt, didn't fly, he didn't fly, he, he was given gold and silver, and he wanted to be out, they, they wanted him to leave, and all the children of Israel leaving. But I said there was maybe two million people. There were over 600,000 fighting men, so if you look at that for a moment and think about all the men that were not fighting men, all the men that were had wives, etc., they... Some people, and maybe I'm including that group, there's at least two million people left Egypt that day. Well, they were started across the, to the Red Sea. They stopped in the desert of Sinai, and Moses talked to them. As they came across, came across and down all tribes of from Israel, Zebulun, Ephraim, Manasseh, Benjamin, Dan, Asher, Gad. There was Moses. He took care of As I said, God called him a humble man. The most humility of any man that God had in his place to talk to at the time. And Moses took the children of Israel and to start across the desert. And most people say it would take, as many as people that came across, take three months to enter into the promised land. And it did, it took 40 years. What in the world cost 40 years of service? And the only said only be about 20 men. But that's what happened. Because they came across, they sinned, and God got took care of them in their sins. And they are in, heading to the land of, uh, of Israel, or oh, not Israel at the time, but promised to them. And uh, Moses gave, I mean, God gave Moses instructions, and Aaron, and Aaron's sister. 
Uh, he gave them instructions on how to live, how to work, how to fight, how to serve God. And Moses did everything he was required to do, except one thing. He did something that God did not tell him to do. God told him to speak to a rock. And the rock would emit water because the children of Israel were suffering from lack of water and grumbling. So Moses took it down and he slew a rock. He took, took his staff and he busted the rock and out came water. And he watered the flocks and the children of Israel and they were happy for a moment. And Moses kept told them what he had to do. God said uh, to Moses, he said, Moses, why don't you strike that rock with your your uh, staff? And Moses didn't have an answer for that. God said, you know, since you, staffed, you struck the rock instead of speaking to the rock, I gave them water because they needed water. But you know, Moses, for all you do, you can't come into the promised land, but you can look at it. That tells us a little bit about God. What is God when he does stuff like, here's a man that was taken out of the way of life, given the command of this huge amount of uh, Israelites, a man that really didn't want it, he protested. And there was God saying, you know, Moses, you shouldn't have struck the rock. You should have spoke the rock and the water would come out. So Moses was not allowed to go to it, but he was allowed to see it, the land. He was allowed to go up on the high on the mountain and look over the promised land and see this great land that God had given him. But God, in his own justice, said, Moses, you can't come in if I let you see it. So for 40 years, they rummaged around the desert there's many things happened to them in the desert. They were given uh, control of the army. The army went up against their enemies and defeated them. So Moses, before he entered, uh, before he got to the promised land, he had not seen it at that time. He said, uh, I need uh, some guys to go in and spy out the land. Moses felt sure that he was going to the land. But he came up and he chose 12 men to go into the land and look at it. The Lord said to Moses, I have taken the Levites from the Israelites and divided all the tribes and give each tribe their duties and etc. Let me stop you and say, you know, was God talking to Moses? Well, absolutely he was. He took him up on the mountain, gave him Ten Commandments and everything. But God spoke to him, literally spoke to him. Didn't see him except his hind parts because no man has seen God but as I am talking to you I'm not comparing myself to nothing as I'm talking to you God talked to Moses have you ever talked to have you ever talked to God and have God relate things to you you know the other day I was up in a little town in east of northwest of mine in a little town called Knoxville Tennessee and I asked God a question. And God spoke to me in, not audibly, but in my heart, in my mind. He said, go ahead. It was truly a miracle because I looked around to see if anybody heard it. 
nobody heard it because God was talking to me silently, but through my mind. And God is so great to do that. God takes care of you. He takes care of me. He takes care of anybody that will listen to him. God wants his fellowship. God wants you to fellowship. God gives you free will. And that free will, you're able to do anything you want to do because you have free will. He doesn't want a robot. He wants people to come to him because they want to be. They want to come to him. He didn't want anybody to perish. He didn't want anybody to disagree. But if you disagree, you can. I talked to a man yesterday, a Jewish friend of mine. He's a friend, even though he's a not believer, but he's a friend. He said, God, don't take care of me. I take care of me. I take care of things around me. It's not me, it's God. I mean, it's not God, it's me. So I said, you know, you're wrong. So I talked to him briefly about it. He did disagree, but he doesn't believe in God. A lot of people, and thank God that he knows what he's doing. This guy doesn't believe in God, but he's open. A lot of people say, I believe in God, but live like hell itself. Are you that kind of person? Do you live, do you worship God, live for God? and do everything you can for God, and knowledge that God is the real. People are sick. People have ideas that lead to death because God gave you a free will, a free will to do exactly as you want to do it, but your wants should be about God. You know, for years, I myself, believe in God, in fact, I was saved at an early age and raised in the church by my father, my earthly father. I was disciplined quite heavily, and I could do what I wanted to do as long as I went to church and I was disciplined. God wants you to live for him, work for him, serve him, and love him. But you do it in your own free will. A lot of sickness comes upon people because they do things the way they want to do it. And the way they want to do it will cause sickness and illness. I often look at people and witness them after I came back and started living God. I've seen people commit suicide. I had people die in my arms. They were sick, illness. And God let them get die. God let them, because they have the free will to do things, and they choose not to do what is right. Sometimes illness overtakes them. Sometimes violence overtakes them. But they did it of of their own free will. Remember that God wants you as a person to love him, to honor him, to serve him at your leisure, at your want to, at your free will. We choose not to follow God because we don't believe in free will. We believe in free will. We don't believe in free will that chooses God. Matthew today, as you look at yourself, as you look at the world around you, believe in God because free will is the most important thing you can do. Believe that God controls you, lets you live, exercises everything about you. 
and will use you if you ask him. I believe that everybody has a gift. You're born again, you're saved, you're whatever, how you want to phrase it, your salvation, you believe in God. I don't believe everybody that believes in God has a gift from God. God not only saves you, gives you a way to live eternally with him, but he gives you a gift when the world is a gift. He gives you a gift of healing, prophecy, preaching, teaching, prayer, fellowship, but everyone will have a gift. You become part of him. I'm really off the story, of a, but not about salvation. Romans 12, 1 and 2, as Romans is book of the Bible. Romans 12, 1 says, You're not your own. You've been bought with a price. That price was Christ. Christ died for you. You live for Christ. You become his son or his daughter. And God gives you a gift, the gift to witness to other people. What kind of witness? It can be in song, it can be in prayer. Whatever work he gives you, do it. And do it with the gladness. I myself have many times taken this gift and thrown it away and not used it. But each time I've had to repent and come back, I believe in eternal salvation. And once you're saved and it's in the Master's hand, you will always turn to God. Whatever you do, turn to God. Well, let's get back to Moses and the children of Israel. For 40 years, they traipsed around the desert. What happened? Why did they have to traipse around and take so long to get to the promised land? Like a 40-year trip? Took them, I mean, a three-month trip took them 40 years. Well, they sinned. They did what they thought was right. Twelve men went up to spy out the land and see if they could take it. Moses gave them instructions what to do. So they went away. Ten men said, we can't take it. Two men said, we can. Caleb and Joshua said, they can and God was so irritated with them. And he said, you know what? No one can come into the promised land. And Moses pleaded and prayed for them. He said, I'll tell you what I'll do. Every man that's 20 years and younger, every person that's 20 years and younger, will go into the promised land. Those older will die in the wilderness. Here in the 40 years across the deserts, but their shoes will wear and not wear out. They will get to live for there. And they lived and fought, did things for God. God showed himself to them. Some of them were a constant grumbling. Some of them, God had to open the earth and swamp upon them like an earthquake. God sent snakes in them, some of them bit, until the last man <coughs> that was eligible going to the promised land was <coughs> left alone. That's God. Take care of them. And they carried on they, some some sin and whatever, but they walked with God. And God had to constantly punish them. Moses said to God, said, God, why did you put me in charge of these people? They're so rebellious. And God said, I'm going to destroy them. And Moses had to pray for them. 
they changed God's mind where God knew what he was doing, but God let Moses do these things for him. As we travel through life, we question them. But don't be afraid to question God. Key, my daughter, has taught me something. And I here I am a graduate of seminary and understand the Bible supposedly and I, I do everything I can for God. But then one day uh, my little daughter looked at me and not looked at me, talked to me over the phone and she said, Daddy, you know, God's my buddy. Is God your buddy? Oh, God is a holy. He can't be anybody's buddy. Yes, he can. Yeah, that's what he wants. He wants fellowship. The Holy Spirit lives within you. He guides you. It's part of God. There's Christ, the Son of God. He leads you. He loves you. What man would die for the entire world? What man would die to save you and give you life eternal? That's Christ. You and Gentiles are no different. In the bride of Christ, which you should be, God will serve you. God will, yes, serve you. He serves things to you. Sometimes he takes things away. But trusting God, believing God, love God, talk to God. Talk to him every day. Pray for him. Pray that God will do for you what he's done for me or something like me. Always remember that God wants you to pray and live for him. What is prayer? Prayer is not bowing your head or going to church or whatever it is. You want to go to church. You want to do where people worship God. You want to fellowship with people. But pray. Pray in your mind. Pray when you drive it. One of the best prayers I hear in my life, I was with a friend of mine. We had to... Uh, well, it's immature where he is. And he said, do you mind if I pray? Of course not. And he prayed, driving the car, had his eyes open, of course. He prayed a powerful prayer. <laughs> and I was so, so impressed with that, that he would pray and drive his car without incident. You could do all these things because God knows your heart. God knows you as a person. You pray. People say, well, I, I had to play at appropriate time. No. I was with a friend, and the day he was praying, he just, everybody was eating around him, all his friends. And the guy was praying. He must have prayed for five minutes. Uh, you know, sometimes your food might get cold because that. I don't demand anybody to pray like that. But I try to buy my hand. I do that. I say, God, thank you for this food. Help me be what you want me to be. Sometimes it's a simple prayer like that. Sometimes it's longer. But it's never a long prayer. But it's a prayer that says, God, I am yours and you are mine. Whatever I do, God, make sure that I am doing it for purposes around you. God wants you to acknowledge him in prayer. You know, in the Garden of Eden, I'm really away from this book of memories, but in the Garden of Eden, he placed two people in the garden, Adam and Eve. Of course, they sinned and cast out of the garden. But before they were cast out, God walked through the garden in the evening hours. So after one evening, he came in and see Adam and Eve. He knew where they were. 
But he didn't see him. He said, Adam, where are you? Why aren't you talking to me? And Adam said, you know, God, I'm ashamed. I'm ashamed of. I'm naked. How do you know you're naked? Have you eaten of the forbidden tree that I told you you could not eat? And she sure did. And I'm so Eve gave it to me, God. You gave me Eve and you gave me this fruit. And I ate it. So you blame it on Eve? You can't blame your sins on anybody but yourself. So God cast them in the garden. Put the anointed chair in front of the gates. They could not enter in. And they worked by the toilet of self and their muscles and their sweat. And life was given, given to them. And sin had entered into the world. And that's the reason we become ill. That's the reason we become whatever. God takes care of us. But he also warns you not to do something. You do it, and you'll suffer the consequences. Many times in through life, I have suffered the consequences of my sin. Have you ever suffered the consequences of your sin? But you know, if you take the Bible for what it's worth, First John one nine says, if you confess your sin, and the Greek is, I don't, I'm not going to get it like the Greek, but I say it like just like this. I don't know what that was, but it looks sound like an ambulance. But anyway, God. God will use your sins if you ask him. He's required. If you if you ask permission to use your sins and you turn from that sin and you really mean, then God is required to forgive you for sins and restore your fellowship. Today, many times in my life, I've had to ask myself and ask God, God, forgive me for that sin. And I'm determined not to do it again. Sometimes I have done it again. Sometimes I have to go back in. But every day I ask God, forgive, forgive me if I have sinned and caused all to anybody. To do that, you just simply pray. And the Holy Spirit will guide you. By the way, the Holy Spirit is what convicts you of your sin. I'm wrestling with a group of people here. That I want to be that I want them to be saved. I want them. God wants them. Everybody wants them. But they have to be convinced and convicted of their sins and ask forgiveness. Have you today looked at God straight in the face with the Holy Spirit guiding you and asked God to save you and give you life eternal? God wants you to be life eternal. Well, I left numbers a long time ago, but God has brought them out. They're on the verge of going up into the holy up to the holy land, and God gives them instructions. Who to appoint? And he puts Joshua in front of them. Tell them, tell the people that this is your leader. God's going to take me to my resting place. People have searched for Moses' grave, but never found it. But God has Moses in heaven. Moses coming back. He's going to be a prophet here on the earth during the tribulation period. And a lot of people like myself didn't believe it. We'll be in the, we'll have tribulation, but not for us to be in heaven. 
But there's people that believe that some Christians will go through tribulation. I don't believe that, but that's immaterial. Because everybody's going to have a Christian. I hear what's number Christian. You simply look to God and say, God, I believe in Christ. I believe what you did for Christ, with Christ. And I believe that you saved me and you'll give me life eternal. Yesterday I was reading the book of Revelation. And I read the book of Revelation. It's talking about the streets and houses and walls and pearls and gosh. It's amazing. The English, English language, any language, doesn't respond to the word like it's in heaven. Paul said it's so indescribable, beautiful, and glorious that there's no words in my language or any language that can de- describe it. The best they could, they described the land. They described there. Here's streets of gold and pearls and gates. And I look forward to the time when I look at God and see God, and I see that man called Christ with his nails and footprints and spirit inside as he blessed his life. And with that, he looked up to the sky, looked to God. God turned his back because God cannot look at sin. Sin to him was, it's just, it got to be avoided. So Christ looked up and he said, God, my Father, why have you forsaken me? And in his heart, he knew that God had not forsaken him, but he knew that God cannot let it sin. And that's who we are. We're sinners, saved by grace. And I ask you today, if you don't believe, try to believe in God. The Holy Spirit will convict you. That inside your body, inside your mind, there's a voice inside of you that says, believe in Christ. Believe he died for you. That's what you have to do to be saved. Without that, you can't be saved. Unless the Holy Spirit convicts you, you can't be saved. There are people living today that God has worked with time and time again. Eventually, the Holy Spirit says, that's it, I'm not, no more, you had your chance. I'm not going to save you. It's up to, it's up to me, and I can't convict you any longer. Are you that person? Are you still convicted of sin? Ask you today to look at yourself. Ask God permission. Ask God. Ask Christ. He died for me. I love you so much. And he will save you. And that's where you are today. That's where I am. He saved me. I'm going to heaven. I'm going to be eternally in heaven. My mother died when I was born. And I never, I, I don't know my mother. I don't know anything about my mother. One day I'll look at her and i say, Oh, you're my mother, aren't you? My father raised me, disowned me, but Christ saved me. I simply say to him, I forgive you for your sin. You live life eternally with me and live with someone. See, that's all I got. Well, that was, thank you, Steph. It was wonderful. As as always, I don't have any questions. And um, so if somebody wants to get in touch with you, how do they do that? Well, they can use it Facebook or they can use me on Facebook or they can do my email. The email is colonel, C-O-L-O-N-E-L, like a marine colonel, 
Infernal Abbott 366 at gmail.com. And I'd love for you to call me. I want to email or see me on Facebook. I try to put a devotion on Facebook daily. Sometimes I do it twice a day. Sometimes I do it. I don't do it at all. But most of the time, it's a daily devotion where I put so, a sentence or two about God. And you can call me. Uh, my email is colonelabbott366 at gmail.com or to me up on Facebook. Yeah, I think it's Gene Abbott. You'll get me. I uh, I have a cousin that's Gene Abbott. He's there, but I think you'll see the difference between myself and uh, Gene Abbott. But I'm there on Facebook. I'm on G email. So please give me a call. It doesn't matter. I try to answer everything I can. I love you much and love everybody. I don't have any enemies. Well, they 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 might think they're enemies, but they're not. All right, Keith. All right, everybody. We'll see you next weekend. We're getting ready for a big uh, workshop, uh, so I'm excited about that. It's the first, well, it's at the end of the first week in uh, um, January, so I guess it will be around the 6th or the 7th. So really put that in place. Take care, everybody, and have a great now, and enjoy the rest of your weekend, or the start of your weekend. All right. Bye, everybody. Goodbye. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.